the interested Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 I'll wait till you get there Ephesians 4:11 I appreciate Larry if he's not here he's always got this water for me Mm, lemon water is good. Go and try it. Are you there, Miss Edna? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And the reason he did is for this. For the perfecting of the words, the completion of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Father, we uh, ask you just to speak to our hearts what you're trying to say to us through your holy word. Lord, we want to know what you uh, want us to do. We want to know how we're supposed to do. And I pray that you speak to us through your word, Lord. And we'll thank you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What makes Christianity different? In your own heart and mind, you think about it for a moment. What makes Christianity different than other, let's say, religions, okay? Everybody has some kind of religion. They have something that they look to, they count on. Uh, but what's the difference? What about Christianity? Christ-centered life, okay? Everything depends on the Lord, Um we say, I'm going to do this or that. Uh, and the Bible teaches us to say, if the Lord wills, we will do thus and so. Now, if God don't will for me to do this or that, and I go ahead and I plunge into it, I might be, as far as the world's concerned, successful. But I will have gotten out of the will of God. 
And that's a dangerous place to be for a Christian. To know, now listen, understand, to know what the will of God is and not do it is not as bad as knowing the will of God and doing it and then say, hey, I'm quitting. Having gotten a hold to it, having tasted of it, and not proceed with it. Okay, so if we know what God's will is for us, then we need to go for that. We don't need a second opinion. When I surrendered to preach, um, I didn't ask my mom and daddy uh, what they thought. I didn't ask anybody what they thought. I should have asked Lynn what she thought. But I was scared to death. I was afraid that if I told her I was going to surrender to preach, I really in my heart I felt she'd leave me. Because, hey, she was raised in that church. She taught Sunday school in that church. She did everything in that church except deacons meetings. If anything's going on, she was there. Her family was there. Everybody was there. But then I found out and discovered, hey, because of her love for me and her love for the Lord, it didn't make any difference. So instead of helping the situation, I hurt the situation. Trying to be in God's will and leaving my mate out is not how you do it. Now, you can do it without your mate. Don't want to misunderstand that. If you, once you know the will of God, you ought to include them if they want to be included. Not all want to be included. So when I ask, when I think of the, well, what's the difference? Uh, what, uh, what makes Christianity different? Our spiritual life began with a new birth and not a ceremony, okay? The new birth. That's how our spiritual life began, by inviting the Lord Jesus into our heart, asking him simply, Lord, have mercy upon me, forgive me of my sins, and come into my heart. In the form of the Holy Spirit of God, he comes in to save our soul. Now, that don't mean we're going to live a perfect life. We can't. But even though God the Father said, I want you to be perfect, he couldn't have said anything less than being God. If he'd, if he'd said, well, uh, I want you to be my child. I mean, if you need to get into something, go ahead. It's okay. I'll stand here ready to forgive you. Nope. That's a signed check. He said, be therefore perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Okay? So we live the life, the Christian life, we should, the best we know how. And the best we know how, sometimes the devil is going to get the best of us. And he's going to wreck us. He's going to try to tear us down. So, you know, we, we, we uh, become a Christian by the new birth and not a ceremony. You see, here's God's plan. Birth, growth, and maturity. The new birth, being saved. Growth, reading God's word, growing in his knowledge and understanding. And one day to become a mature Christian. I don't know any mature Christians. Do you? We will be mature when we reach heaven. But right now, we're in the growth process. Um, when we got saved, we became a bud, okay? And Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. We became a bud, all right? You watch these little flowers, they're 
Firstly, I'm always excited about the new flowers at the house when they begin to put on the new growth. And then here comes the bud. And every day I look to see, hey, it's moving a little bit more, moving a little bit more. And if you're gone a couple of days, you come back and wow, there it is, wide open. And you miss the scene. Our lives ought to be that way as we grow and, and, and mature uh, in the Lord. I think of leaves. It seems like this year our leaves just put out overnight. The trees matured and began to put forth their buds. And then all of a sudden, full-blown leaves and good, nice shade to get under. But before we know it, they will turn, they will change their colors. And I love to just sit and watch leaves fall. Reminds me of people's lives, okay? We're born, we live, we die, and we fade away. So, the, you know, this Christian life is a serious thing. It's not, uh, I'll say this, living for Jesus is not for wimps. It's for the serious person who wants to live for the Lord every day, and God wants us to. It's just like our young'uns, okay? We want our young'uns to do right. We want to see our young'uns succeed, and so does God. He wants his young'uns to do right. He wants for us to succeed. So one of these days when we cross home plate, we hear him say, Welcome home, my faithful child. Well, what's the negative side here? If that's the positive side, now I'm still introducing, okay? What is the negative side? When people are more concerned with their self than service. And you have that. You, you, you have Christians who are more concerned with their self than they are serving the Lord. Well, look what I've done and I've done and I've done this and I, I don't care and you shouldn't care. When they're more concerned with self than they are service. When they're more concerned with argument over action. You know, we can argue all day long uh, as to what do we need to do with this building. What do we need to do with that building over there? But action is where it, it is. Doing something with what we already have instead of just, you know, idling along. It's also uh, when people are looking to man rather than the Messiah. Looking to what man can do Versus what God can do. And you know, you've been here long, many of you have been here longer than I. Uh, this church can uh, do by, this, this outfit can do anything we set our minds to. I, I've seen that, Deb, in, in this little over three years that, that I've been here. What we set our mind to do, uh, we can do. And God will allow it to happen if all of his people, and we're going to get into that in a moment, are fitly joined together. And that's what we want to be around here. We want to be fitly joined together. Well, let me just share with you marks of maturity. Marks of maturity for the Christian. I wish I wouldn't dry out, but I'm sorry. It's the way it is. The mature Christian is a believer with a mission. A believer with a mission. Okay, let's, let's go, first of all, for all of us who still work, okay? Uh, you have a, um, a responsibility where you are. In all the places I have ever worked, 
I can go back. I can reflect back and recall my responsibility. What was required of me? And if it, if it didn't happen, then hey, you were called in and you can say, hey, uh, is there a problem? Is something I help you with? Uh, your work is uh, whining. It's, it's not doing, things aren't looking like they need to look. Can, is there anything I can do to help you? Okay, so we need to have a mission. And our mission ought to be to reach others for Jesus. One person telling somebody else. You think about it for a moment. Why, why maybe are you here tonight? Not just necessarily tonight, but over the last, over over years gone by, who encouraged you or who invited you to come to this place? What prompted you to come to this place? There's a lot of places you could be tonight. There's a lot of churches you could be a member of tonight that don't meet on Sunday night. Hey, you could be partying. You could be fishing. You could be swimming. You could be grilling hamburgers and all. You could be doing all of that. But you've chosen to come to God's house because I feel like you are a Christian uh, with a mission. Now, verse 11 talks about it. He gave some, of a, some people to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. And he tells us why. He says perfecting. Now perfecting simply means maturing, growing closer to the Lord. Our children... We watch our children grow. Now, if our children don't grow and things aren't changing, uh, we want to take them to a doctor. We want to take them somewhere and say, hey, uh, this is what's going on in my child's life. I've noticed this, and I want you to see if you can figure out what's going on, what's wrong. Well, the Holy Spirit of God is supposedly and is directing and trying to coach us. But sometimes, I'm speaking for myself, we don't listen. But perfecting means maturing, according to verse 11. Uh, we are all ministers, according to our bulletin. You look at the end of the bulletin down there. It's got uh, Mac's name, Mark's name, my name, and, and, and uh, uh, Mr. and Ms. Sylvia, and uh, our musicians. The names are listed. And in the very thing, it says ministers. And outside there, it says everyone. So I ask you, what are you doing to cause this outfit to flourish? Now, if you listen, you need to question yourself. If you aren't doing anything, then shame on you. You need to be doing something to cause this outfit to grow. Okay? Paul says some of us water, some of us plant seeds, but it's God that gives the increase. Here again, I go to flowers. If flowers aren't watered, they'll die. We've got to keep the ball moving. We've got to keep the ball going. You need to, if you're not maybe in the habit of this, well, I just can't witness. Well, listen, there's bulletins will be left here tonight. And Miss Jeannie Verdett will throw them in the trash. Well, that's a waste. We ought to not waste. We ought to pick up maybe one or two at least and give them to somebody. Say, him. here's where I go to church. I'd love to have you come if you're not in church. And just hand it to them. Give them something to look at. Say, hey. Man, there's a lot going on at that outfit. Maybe I will try it. It's, it's been quoted, it's been said. People pass by here and they see people parking way off each other in the grass. Say, hey, there's something going on. I love to eat out. And I love to go where the parking lot of a restaurant is slap full and they're hanging out the door. There's something going on in there. 
to do with food, to do with a greasing. And hey, if it takes 30 or 40 minutes to get in there, I want to hang out because something is good. Well, what about our church? Are we doing anything? Um, I'm responsible. He says, in that scripture, he says, pastors, teachers, and I just added in my own little notes here, deacons and other Christians, we are responsible to help people become a Christian and to help them mature in the Lord. Can you imagine how it's going to be when we get home? I'm talking about our Christian home. Oh, by the way, Ernest, he and I were just talking today and... Uh, I didn't realize that he had gotten his citizenship. Um, he is an African, and he is an American citizen. And uh, he said, I have uh, dual citizenship. I said, no, you don't. Yes, I do. I said, no, you have triple citizenship. I said, you are uh, 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 an African citizen, you are an American citizen, and you are bound for heaven. He laughed. He said, that's right, that's right. Three citizenships, okay? So, when we think about that, listen, we need to help people mature in the Lord to become stronger. You know, give them courage. Hey, the people you work with, the people you rub shoulders with, do they know who you are besides your name? Do they know you a Christian? Hey, give them something. Say, hey, take this bulletin here. Let me tell you, I wrote this down about me, okay? Listen to this. I am a nobody who's trying to tell anybody about somebody who wants to save everybody. I don't have to be recognized. I don't have to be patted on the back. I don't have to be congratulated because my reward is yet to come, okay? It's my responsibility to tell people about the Lord and encourage them and invite them uh, to come. You see, a lot of church folk are interested in being participants. But there's some who just rather be spectators. And so I asked myself when I, I said, spectator, what kind of tater am I? <laughs> you know, sometimes I can be a rotten tater. And I mean, a rotten tater is bad. I mean, have you ever got a hold to a bag and a and smell what a rotten tater smells like, and to have to go through and separate till you get down to that one gooey, mushy, rotten, I mean, get that out of the house. But sometimes we like a rotten tater. Now, sometimes uh, we are fried taters too. You know, we might have all week take. I'm looking for a way out. So what kind of tater are we? We need to be more than spectators. I heard this, 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. What's the other 90% doing? They're watching so they can criticize. I love, now I don't know the man's name, so you don't have to tell me the man's name because I'm not going to remember it anyhow, but I can remember Briscoe Darling. And one of his sayings was, more power to you. <laughs> so when somebody comes whining or grappling about what's going on around here, say, more power to you. 
Or as Gail tells me, quit whining. Okay? You know, it's time that we got out of that baby stage. Some, some Christians think their work is only to come to God's house, pay their tithe, and bless the preacher. Okay, they come and they pay the tithes and they bless the preacher out. So you need to decide which way you're going to go, okay? You can go out the side door as easy as you can go out the front door, all right? In fact, we got two side doors. Um, we got three exit signs. So if somebody hollers fire, surely to goodness with three doors, uh, we can get out. So a mature Christian is a, is a Christian with a mission. Secondly, we're moving right through this scripture now. A mature Christian is a builder of believers, okay? A builder of believers. Now, we go to verse uh, 12 there. It says, uh, here's why he's called these people, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, what's your book say? Of the body of Christ. The word edify means to build up. It doesn't say a thing about tearing down. It says to build up the body of Christ. Who, what is the body? This is it right here tonight. You see the body of Christ right here tonight. So we're to build up one another. We're to brag on one another. We're to congratulate one another. If nothing else, hey, I'm just glad you've come tonight. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to come here tonight. You see, uh, the body of Christ, what does she look like? Well, look at us. Here we are. We are part of the body of Christ. Now, Christ is the head. It ain't Kenny. I'm not the head of this. Christ is the head. He has only put me here as an underhead, okay? A roarer down below the deck supplying the energy that produces the power to keep the thing going. Christ is the head. Don't, don't go out of here and think, well, hey, uh, our pastor's in control. He does this. He, no, he does not. He is not the head. Christ is the head. So what can we do to, to edify the body? We're to pray. We're to pray for the sick. Okay, and, and in a few weeks, uh, Lord willing, Lynn and I are going to be gone. So what are you going to do? Pray for the sick. Visit. Visit, visit. If there's anybody missing in your Sunday school class, you need to call them Sunday afternoon. Hey, we missed you today. Are you okay? Is everything all right? They could be sick. They could need something. But a lot of folk ain't going to call. They don't call and say, hey, did you miss me in Sunday school today? By the way, I'm sick. Uh-uh. They're not going to do that. You are supposed to do that, okay? Now, sheep, as far as I know, have sheep, right? Shepherds don't have sheep. Shepherds are there to keep sheep in line. Well, I'm not leaving you without a shepherd, okay? We got two shepherd boys who are very qualified and very capable of carrying on. But we as, as you as sheep, hey, it's up to you to help do the ministry. Because you're looking at bulletin again. Ministers, everyone. Another thing, and it's edifying, we're to train. 
train. I may have told you this if I did, okay. If I didn't, I'll tell you anyway. Um, when God gave me uh, those uh, five preacher boys at Earl's Grove, and I saw them maturing, and it was time to put them behind the pulpit and let them check it out. Well, sure. Hey, I may have rather wanted to be there, but I had to wait and see. And every time one of my boys would preach, I'd take notes. And at the end of the service, as we left, when everybody left, I'd hand it to them. I'd say, now you take this. And I made this up, uh, wrote this down, because I love you. Never, ever once did any of them ever come back and say, you know, I think you was being sarcastic. Not one. Okay? So, as time rolled around, and the boys kept getting stronger in the Lord and studying His Word and wanting to preach. So, on Sunday night, guess what? That's when they preached. Now, some whiny tater said, you don't going to let them preach every Sunday night? I said, yep, get used to it. I said, one day these boys are going to leave here. They're going to go out and pastor somewhere if God keeps his hand on them and I see no reason why he should take it off. And whenever they go, they are going to reflect three individuals. They're going to reflect Kenny Owen because I'm their pastor. They're going to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going to reflect the church that they came out of. I'm happy to say to you tonight, most all of them are very successful tonight in a church. Not because of me, but because they allowed the Lord to use them. And it was my responsibility as their pastor to help them with their training. Because you don't go to school, Bible school, to learn to preach. You go there to learn how to study the word and get something out of the word, but you learn to preach by preaching. And far as I'm concerned, I'm still learning, all right? So Christ is ahead, and we're to lift him up. We're to be peacemakers. Um, I think about this. Are other people strong because of you and me? Or are they weak because of you and me? Unified because of you and me? Or are they out tearing down because of you and me? Let me make sure I haven't skipped something. Okay, look at verse 13. After we are lifting up and edifying the body, it says, till all, till we, well, I'll get it right in a minute, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Okay, what does that mean? Faith, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. God the Father, the Creator. Jesus Christ is the Son who came and died on the cross for our sins. Buried, rose again, went back to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, and that's who we have. We believe in that. As Christians, we should believe in that. One faith, okay? And he says, and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Jesus was perfect. The Bible says he was tempted just like you and I are yet without sin, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. May we keep on keeping on uh, for the Lord and for no other reason. Now, 
Mature Christians are believers with a mission, and mature Christians, uh, we are builders of other believers. But listen, mature Christians has a Bible basis for every belief. Why do you believe what you believe? Look at verse 14. That we henceforth, though we're from now on, we should be no more children that's tossed to and fro, going here and there with no purpose in mind whatsoever by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, that's life. So I want you to listen carefully. That verse 14, to and fro, following a man instead of following God. You with me? Nay, if I leave here and go somewhere to start a church, you don't need to come. I want to tell you about a couple. They're no longer here. You know, I was concerned. As long as I was at Earl's Grove, I was concerned by leaving there if I stayed close by preaching that a gang would leave there to follow me. I was badly wrong, and I'm glad I was. To my understanding, there was only one couple that joined First Baptist from Earl's Grove after I came here, and that was the McAllisters, and now they live in Anderson. And Jack himself told me, said, Kenny, well, he, he wanted me to come down and talk to me. And so Lynn and I, I think you went with me. We, we went down and talked to Jack and Beth. And they said, listen, we, we want to join First Baptist, but we don't want it, to, we don't want it to, to affect you in any way like you might think we're following you. But said, we want to tell you this, we visited First Baptist before you were even being thought about probably. Because after you left Earl's Grove, they soon left and they scouted around and says the most friendliest church. Of all the churches they visited, First Baptist was the most friendly. And of course they joined. Okay, so when we think about um, to and fro, following a man is useless. I don't care who he is. It is useless to follow the man because he is human being. He's going to mess up. He's going to lead us wrong. He's not going to always lead us right. And so we should not follow a man. We should be following the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Doctrine, that verse talks about doctrine, Bible doctrine. The word slight means trickery. I would be a, a pure fool to try to trick you in to doing anything for the Lord. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to, tr to slight you, tr to trick you into doing something. I'm supposed to lead you into doing something. Uh, that uh, cunning craftiness, that's, that's shrewd and sly. And I heard, I heard this black man say, and slicky. You just slide right on into the trap and can't help it. You know, we don't need to be that way. Um, let me look back at that verse. Uh, it says, by the slight uh, men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Listen, the devil's crowd will do it their best to deceive you and me. I, I want you to listen. Psalm 11, uh, verse 2. It says, for lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready the arrow upon the string. It's already being pulled back and they are privately 
aiming and shooting at the upright, that is the Christian, in heart. And then that verse says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, if you look at a human foundation, hey, it's going to crumble and it's going to crack. But if that foundation is built on the rock of Jesus, it makes no difference what comes. We are, are solid in our faith. We may question God. God, why is this happening to me? But we understand and know that our lives, if we're saved, is founded and sitting on the solid rock of Jesus. Now, that verse 14, hey, it, there's a load there. And you look at that last little statement, they lie in wait. To deceive. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we need to grow up into him in all things, which is the head, and that is even Jesus. Solid in our Bible beliefs. Now, if we don't believe something, okay. But if we do believe something, people might say, well, what do you base that belief on? Well, I, belay, I, I, I base it on the solid word of God. Can you show me? We ought to be able to show them. Why you believe what you believe and show them what the word of God says. We sing a song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Now, what does the lost person, if they were to sing that, they could probably sing it like, I serve a dead Savior. He's in the grave today. Well, hey, I'm thankful. Uh, so what makes a difference here? It's Jesus. That he lived, he died, and he lives again. Uh, there's no other, I'm going to say it this way, there's no other religious leader that's ever come through this world that can make that statement. Every one of them lived and died. Except Jesus, who lived and died and rose again. Thank God for the resurrection. Um, we don't need to be lying in wait. But we need to be living and walking and talking a living Savior. And we need to help each other mature. We need to be positive in our thoughts toward the coming of Jesus. Because listen, <laughs> he is coming back. Now, look at verse 16, and we'll be finished. From whom the whole body, okay? I want you to think about your and my personal body, okay? This thing we walk around in, okay? Um, I don't know how many bones we have in this body. Some of you probably know that, can tell me right off, okay? Makes no difference how many we got. Uh, it makes no difference how many miles of, of tendons and how many muscles they are in this thing. But suppose one thing in this structure decides to shut down. What if bone cancer attacks us and they begin to deteriorate? Then we're going to break them. They're going to be so brittle we can't stand. What if our muscles become torn? We'd be in excruciating pain. What if the ligaments get stretched to the point they can't come back? We'd be a... a Total physical wreck, right? But look what he says. For whom the whole body, that is the body of Christ, now that's you and me, as we make up the body of Christ as Christians, 
fitly, joined together. Again, you think about your body, how fitly things are joined together. Um, We've got our toes and we've got our fingers. Our fingers can't do what the toes do. The toes can't do what the fingers do. The ears can't do what the nose does and the nose can't do what the ears do. Have you ever tried to talk without moving your lips? What good is the tongue without the lips? What good is the lips without the tongue? It all, according to God, is fitly, fitly joined together. Every part is where it's supposed to be, doing what it's supposed to be doing. Okay? How little is the little toe? Not in size, but what good is a little toe? Got any idea? Is anybody in here missing a little toe? I don't want to embarrass you. Okay, I'm going to assume everybody's got your little toes. I look at these ladies that paint their toenails, and I'm thinking, how in the world did you paint something so little? I mean, something just a spot. There it's it. <laughs> there was a little boy got his little toe cut off. You know what it did? It affected his walk. He walked with a limp. I mean, you know why? Balance. God put it together like he wanted it, all right? Now, if we as a body of believers, if we allow God to put us together like he wants it, we'll be what that verse says, fitly joined together. Look what that other word says, and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Now, Okay, you got the pastor, you got this, uh, you got the uh, youth pastor, you have the music director, and you have all these others, not under us, by the way, all lined up together. And we depend on one another, okay? We had church council meeting a little bit ago. What good would a church council meeting be if I was the only one that showed up? No good. What good can one do? One can't do it all. So we're fitly compacted, joined together, that this outfit operates the way it's supposed to. So if you're in a position, don't say, well, I'm the so-and-so at the First Baptist Church. No, I am so-and-so at the First Baptist Church where I serve. And there's a difference. If we're fitly and compacted and joined together, we want to serve the Lord and we serve together. None of us are above anybody. Oh, I'd love to have their job. I would show you how to do it. Well, hang on, buddy, because they'll give up after a while and you step in and show us how to do it. Brother Johnny's walking up here to sing and I I whispered, I said, you want to (laughs) swap? No, he wanted to sing and I wanted him to sing. I wouldn't attempt to sing that song by myself. I, I might sing along with him. Um, but notice that verse, what he says, fitly together, compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual, powerful working in the measure of every part. Every part doing what it's supposed to. Making, what does it say? Increase of the body. More people, more ideas, more love. More concern unto the edifying of itself in love. 
That's what it's about. Relationships. Loving one another. Getting others in here. Encouraging. Inviting. Enlightening. Whatever it takes to get folk under the sound of the gospel, singing, preaching, teaching, that our church will continue to flourish because we who are here are fitly compacted together, serving the Lord wherever we are. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for opening it up to us in such an orderly fashion, Lord, that we can, we can understand and know exactly who we are and we can know what you want us to do. And you, you have even supplied the directions of how to do church. So I pray that you'd help us to consider one another. We all have a place. We all have a responsibility. So I pray that you'd help us as we head toward maturity that we do all we can for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever.